This is Nick Salatino and his kid brother Mark from the northwest side of Chicago. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Poison Garden. All the plants in here have the ability to kill you, so you're not allowed to touch or smell or stand too close to them. This is Ricinus communis, and you can see that it has very architectural leaves. But the issue with it is that you can, under laboratory environments, take out ricin. Ricin's the deadliest poison known to man. Here we have Atropa belladonna, deadly nightshade, a native plant to the UK. These flowers that you can see here will produce a black, grape-like berry. Four of those berries are enough to kill a child. Very toxic indeed. Rutograviolans, again a very common plant that you can actually buy from garden centres, yet it is phototoxic, which means that if you get the sap onto your hands, then in bright sunlight your skin will start to blister. Once that chemical is in your system, it will stay in that system for up to seven years. This plant is called Aconitum nepalis. It's very common. Um, it's often called monkshood. The whole of the plant is very toxic. Two years ago, there was a head gardener down in Surrey who unfortunately was working with this plant and uh, he died. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Planets are hard to find Temperate zones and tropic climbs And true currents and thriving seas Wind blowing through breathing trees Strong ozone and safe sunshine Well, good planets are hard to find Good planets are in the your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are and good morning good morning and uh let's uh do a shout out to our friend amos barrow who was the first one today on facebook followed uh, by ron cowgill oh mr cowgill is out there yeah i was listening to uh his show yesterday and uh mighty house um mighty house on wcgo from uh, 7 to 10 a.m. Saturday mornings. And um, I, just to, to call attention to the, be- the beginning <laughs> of the show, first of all, our, our Salatino brothers. Hey, guys. I, I assume they're listening because I saw they were listening to Mighty You House mean they're yesterday. not out in the hallway? Uh, I expect them to show up any <laughs> any moment there and uh, and and get some cookies. There's, oh, I left my cookies. I've got, I've got treats for you. Sonar and Ellie, who are in the control room, uh, isolated in the control room. We keep them away from us. I got treats. I got treats, I, and I'll, I'll run out and get them 
probably at uh, No Name News uh, during No Name News at uh, ten o'clock. Um, but, uh, and then the Salatino guys will show up, uh, for, for treats as well. But I wanted to call attention to that, to the, uh, thing that I, uh, played at the top of the show, which was, and, and I do these, these bits, mm-hmm. they sometimes related to gardening, who knows, sometimes <laughs> not really, but that one I think was a, like a BBC show about poisonous plants. And my favorite was, um, they're talking about aconite, which is monk's hood, which is the poison plant that is used in all the murder mysteries that is the one that'll kill you all right mm-hmm. and, and it's always the gardener by the way the gardener always does it or, or in unwittingly and i don't even know this because i don't read murder mysteries but <laughs> kathleen does but she tells me yeah mm-hmm. aconite is is what kills uh, a lot of people in these murder mysteries uh, but my favorite part in that thing that we just played was uh and then the uh, the gardener uh, touched the aconite and he died and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, now that's humor, folks. And he died. He died. Uh, so welcome to the show. We'll try not to kill you <laughs> with poison plants. We might kill you with kindness. We might kill you <laughs> with inanity. It's possible. <laughs> you never know. Uh, on the show today to start, uh, oh, my goodness. We have a fabulous we, show. We've got, yeah, some great people, none of whom are in studio. It's all via electronic communications of some oh, kind. Man, or and I got dressed up, too. Uh, oh, never mind. I'm, I was going to say something, but I'd just get in trouble <laughs> if I do. Um, and uh, uh, we start with our buddies to the north. Uh, over the uh, state line to Wisconsin, and you folks who are listening should know all about Joey and Holly Baird, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener. Now, it's singular. Gardener is singular, but there's two of them. Uh, and they have their own uh, radio show, um, and uh, it is on WNOV, as in Novak. <laughs> <laughs> 860 AM uh, uh, and 106.5 FM. Well, it's not just, okay, now i got to find the thing, because it's not just 106.5 FM. They they have a whole uh, thing that they read, uh, and, and Sonar will understand this better than I will. And, of course, my computer is not going to respond at all because the signal here is so weak. Uh, so I can't even get back. There it is. Uh, and we got 30 seconds. And before I get to that, let me let you know that in the second hour, we are talking a very important issue uh, about the, the middle fork of the Vermilion River in central Illinois, east central Illinois, with some folks who know a lot about coal ash and the threat to the river there. Uh, we have Pam and Lan Richard uh, from the Ecojustice Collaborative and Andrew Rain from Prairie Rivers Network. All of that coming up on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malik. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. 
Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Body Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. It might be winter, but you can still visit farmer's markets hosted by many different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. back to the Mike Novak show full of knowledge well if if I know so much how come I ain't rich <laughs> some of the uh, wealthiest people are the ones with the least amount of money Mike oh I, can I write that down yeah that that's, that's right. yours you can use that <laughs> here they are Mike Novak and Peggy Malecki and the guy who is on the other end of that is uh, on the phone with us right now, and that is uh, Joey Bear. Joey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, and Holly, uh, your lovely wife, is is with you too. Holly, good morning. Good morning. Ah, they're there. Okay, and uh, and and Joey, I have to thank you for that intro. He sent that to us last year. It was kind of a a welcoming gift uh, to. Uh, to us, to Peggy and me, when we came to uh, WCGO uh, in uh, in Evanston slash Chicago, and I was just talking to uh, Sonar and the folks in the control room here about your radio show. And you should know, uh, Holly and Joey are the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. They're up in uh, Milwaukee Way, where it is uh, forty degrees below zero. It's like it's like the surface of Mars right now. Uh, so it's if you go see the movie The Martian, uh, you'll know what it's what it's like to try to grow vegetables uh, up in uh, the Milwaukee area. Am I right about that, Joey? Uh, to a certain point, until about last week, yeah. That was about what it was. <laughs> last week? Are you kidding? Did you know what the temperature was this morning? Holy smoke! It, it's just crazy. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about that in a second. But uh, as of last year. Uh, very cool that you guys uh, got your own radio show, uh, and uh, you know we got dueling radio programs here now, and you're on WNOV 860 AM in uh, the Milwaukee area. But it's also, and I started to say this, and I couldn't find, I, and you say it because you've got it memorized, but I, I, I had no idea. Uh, it's a W293CX 106.5 FM. And uh, you, 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 That's correct. you give the whole thing when you, when you announce it. Um, and Sonar was explaining to me how that works. Sonar, would you, for our listeners uh, on radio who under, don't understand why you have to call something W293CX 106.5, why is that? That is the tower license as opposed to the call signs. 
All right. So essentially, that's the official. That's the official. So that's name of the station. That's, that's what the government calls it. Exactly. If I was to sell you my station and you didn't have call signs yet, you would use the the uh, tower license. Okay. So there you go. They don't actually have call letters for that yet. Uh, so it's W two nine three C. I just, it's kind of like saying a 3CPO or something like that. You're listening to 3CPO in Milwaukee. Uh, so you guys are there, and this is your second season. So give you guys, you guys get a ding uh, for having made it through a year of radio, which, uh, as you know, can, can be really challenging. Peggy and I understand that. We've we've been in like four different stations in, in three months. Uh, so... Uh, uh, but congratulations on your second year. And you don't run. You're not like us. You're not doing this in the dead of winter. Um, you guys uh, go basically March to the end of October, right? Yeah, that's right. correct. We, we, um, 30, 35 yeah, we weeks, wanna... and, and we thought that that would be a good gamut of beginning to end of the gardening season. And then we, we take a little break, and then we try to do it all over again the next year. <laughs> and I'm and I was just thinking about that yesterday. I'm thinking, Peggy, wow. we got it. We got to consider that. That that's not such a bad idea to take four months off in the middle of it and uh, and and relax a little bit. But uh, uh, so uh, explain to the folks who are listening who are not familiar with the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. And your name kind of says it all. But uh, uh, Holly, what is it you guys do? Well, aside from the radio show, we have. Over 1,100 YouTube videos on how to wow. grow food, how to reuse items, what to do with the food you grow, all of that. And then we do different talks, mostly at libraries, but um, Master Gardener meetings. There's, uh, I think we're going to a botanical garden in the Janesville. I'm not, I can't remember. But um, so we do different gardening talks too within the community as well. So we have the radio, the videos, and the talks. Mm-hmm. And then our radio show has a podcast replay as well, so people can listen um, when it's not live. Yeah, and your videos are mostly about um, growing your own food, canning, home tips. Yes, all of yeah. that. Yeah, I, I can't believe, and I heard you say that. I was listening to one of your uh, podcasts the other day, and uh and caught, I think, yes, I was listening to you live yesterday uh, for a little bit as well. And when Joey said 1,100 videos. <laughs> we got to get to work. <laughs> I, yeah, well, there's no way. We're not, that ain't going to happen on, on this end of things. So uh, congratulations on that, I think. Um, uh, so if somebody wants to sit through and, and binge watch all 1,100 videos, they can do that by going to the WisconsinVegetableGardener.com, right? Well, you right. don't have we to. We did 320 last year. We, we the... <laughs> They're not in the same room. we got to understand. Uh, uh, Joey and Holly, you guys are on different phone lines. I, I'll explain. So, uh, 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 Holly, start that. Uh, what you were going to say? So, on our website, you don't have to sit through 1,100 videos. You, there's a search option. So, say you're like, I want to grow leeks. You can type in leeks and, well, you know, there's a video there about leeks or, or whatever. <laughs> So there's it's there's helpful information on our website so that you can find the video you might want to watch. And Joey, you say that you how many did you shoot just last year? 
last year, and we did 320 videos. Now, that includes the in-studio video of the radio show and segments and, and in the garden, but 320 videos we produced last year, which I didn't realize until I looked at the numbers. <laughs> so, and, and what would you say, not, not the radio shows, but the how-to videos, what's the average length of those? Uh, between 5 and 12 minutes. Okay, so it's really, you know, you're not going to spend yeah. the rest of your life looking at this, even if you binge-watch. Okay, um, right. yeah, you, you can. You're going to learn something really important about growing, uh, and so let's get to that really quick. And I want people, if you've got a question about growing vegetables, um, winter is. We're not even sure it's over yet, even though it's it's almost <laughs> May, it's May. Um, uh, but if you want to call us at eight seven 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 one one five six one one and ask a question, or you can post it on Facebook. We're streaming live on Facebook. And uh, you could do something on Twitter if you want. Uh, if you try Instagram, we'll probably see it next week. Uh, <laughs> but that's the way we roll here. Uh, uh, or, or, well, what's the password? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. And uh, Or an email, mike at mikenovak.net. Uh, all of that stuff, because we would love to answer a few questions before we let Holly and Joey go. So let's start with really what the big news story for growers in the Midwest and really the northern tier of the United mm-hmm. States has been this spring, which is crazy cold weather. How are you guys dealing with it? Who wants to jump in first? Uh, I'll start first with that. Um, this is unusual for us because in 2016, we planted leeks and onions on March the 11th. In 2017, it was April the, 5th, April the 16th. This year, it was April the 25th before we put our first seeds in the garden. Now, a week ago... Uh, nine, ten days ago, we had eight inches of snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. So all we are telling our, our viewers and our listeners and, and those who reach out, be patient. You might as well just wait until you actually know it's safe to plant rather than plant and then have to replant and possibly plant again. Just wait until the, the, the weather and that projected 10-day forecast looks good. Go ahead and put your plants in the ground. Let's, let's be patient about it. Uh, Holly can attest to this. Whenever she was growing up, they didn't even start seed, uh, starts. They just put seeds in the ground Memorial Day weekend and, and let them go, and everything was fine. Memorial Day weekend, okay, or week. Uh, yeah. yeah. And where were you growing and up, Holly? People... I grew up in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee area. Okay, all right. So, yeah, that's what a lot of people still do. They, I've had friends who are shocked that we're putting potatoes in the ground, you know, at the end of April or early May, or even the leeks or the onions, or even something like spinach or radishes but i've i've learned a lot through uh through joey obviously and other things but yeah we would just start memorial day weekend just put everything in the ground and then as things started to come up that's when they came up mm-hmm. so uh one of the things you just pointed out joey that i think is really important is pay attention to the weather if you're a gardener uh, you'll read a lot of books, or if you're, let me put it this way, if you're if you're a starting gardener and you read books and websites, they'll say, uh, usually by this date, such and such a date, you can put stuff out. A lot of people mention Mother's Day. A lot of people mention beginning of of, of May. They they talk about the last frost date. Now, if you thought, if, 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 <laughs> if your money was on April 29th in Chicago this year, you... Wah, wah. No, well, you just you just won because we got frost this morning. No, I thought you meant that it was over. 
No, oh, point. no, no, no. I'm saying if you said that was yep. the last frost date. Yeah. Uh, and no. we don't we don't even know that. We could get frost next yeah. week again. It's just then been that kind well, of a year. So but the, but the point you you're making Joey is that uh you got to use some smarts too and you got to kind of sit back and figure out what what are the trends before you go jumping in feet first, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And there are some plants that can tolerate frost, but also if you buy them from your garden center or you you start it indoors, you've got to harden them off correctly so they can adapt to the outdoor temperatures and then can tolerate that coldness. Now, obviously, if it gets down to 19 or 12, or 12 these tender plants are not going to survive unless you put a lot of protection on them. But you, you can get, like, your spinach, your radishes, your lettuce, kale, broccoli, cauliflower, that type of thing. Those would tolerate those little frost, onions, leeks. But, again, you're not going to put out your cucumbers or peppers or eggplants or tomatoes right now because you're just going to have to rebuy or replant again. <laughs> no, no. You know what? After all the time indoors that I've spent coddling my my tomatoes and <laughs> and those plants uh, and then to throw them to uh, nature this way, that would just be cruel. And it would be uh, uh, punishing yourself. It would be masochistic somehow. Uh, to do that, but uh, the, uh, there's something else going on too, uh, and either one of you can address this: is seed germination in cold weather is also going to be slowed, isn't it? Yeah, it'll, yes, it'll be slower when you plant them. What was that, Holly? It'll be slower when you plant them outside when if it's going to be cooler, uh, and even inside if you're if you're growing seeds in a basement or an unheated area. You may want to use something like a heating mat, possibly, to get them to germinate. Outside, it's best to pay attention to the soil temperature. So you, it might be 60 degrees outside, but maybe it was 40 degrees the day before. Your soil temperature is not going to be up to what it needs to be until it stays consistently warm. So you want to mm-hmm. keep that in mind, too. Yeah, I was reading something yesterday that a lot of the soil temperatures are still in the mid-40s. At this point, right, and that's, and that's the thing be... with with root crops. Uh, like if you're going to plant potatoes, it's recommended 45 degrees Fahrenheit minimum at root zone, 50 preferably. Root zone, you're going to have to dig down three, four inches and get a soil temperature reading, whether it's a meat thermometer or a soil temperature mm-hmm. re- uh, device, to find out. Because if those potatoes are in the ground and the ground is too cold and too damp, they're just going to sit and rot, yeah. and you're just going to waste your time. So you at root zone is the key, not just surface temperature, root zone. Right. Well, we've got a question that came in on Facebook, I was going to say. Um, but go ahead, Holly. We'll finish that one first. If it's too wet, too. If you're planting seeds and it's too wet, they're just going to rot in the ground. You can't. You have to wait till the soil dries up a little bit. So a lot of most of the stuff has melted here, so we were safe to plant the leeks. But if we were to put seeds in the ground, they could possibly be too wet, especially because there's rain in the forecast. So you kind of have to look at the 10-day forecast, the temperatures, and also what might what might be too wet for your seeds to germinate properly. Yeah, no, and that's a really good point. Also, Holly, because the colder the, the ground is, uh, the the wetter it remains, the harder it is for things to evaporate. <laughs> so it, it just makes, it's, it's almost a double whammy for, for planting seeds. And I think I see the question that uh, you were going to ask, and it's a really good go one. Go ahead. So, no, 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 you go ahead. 
Uh, it's a question about hardening off, and what is hardening off correctly? What does that mean? Because a lot of folks say, well, you got to harden off your plants. And I think um, there's a misconception. There may be several misconceptions about how you do that properly. Who wants to jump in with that? Uh, Holly's good at explaining this in, in a very detailed manner, so I'll let her take this one. So when hardening off, you don't have to do this if you buy your plants from the garden center because they're they're already done for you. But the best you want to acclimate your plants to the outdoors. So your seedlings that that you've coddled all winter and now into spring, what you want to do is you want to get them used to the outdoors. So you do this a couple hours at a time every day. It's ideal to do this during the warmest part of the days, which is usually between about two and four p.m. But if if you can't because of work or whatever, just do it right away when you get home. Mm-hmm. But you want to put them outside and you want to put them in the shade. And that way they're going to get used to the weather. If you put them in the sun, they could get sun scalded or sunburned and they're not ready for that yet. But you do this a couple times a day about a week before you want to plant them. So you start with an hour and then you can up it to another hour. And you just kind of do that throughout the week so that they're getting used to being outside. Some people inside their grow rooms, they'll put fans on them to strengthen the stems. But... If they're outside and they're in the wind and things like that, they'll get used to it. And you can even, um, at some point, if you feel safe, you can leave them overnight before you're going to get them outside, like really close to when you're wanting to plant them. But it's definitely so your plants don't go into any sort of shock when they're being put outside right into the ground. Yeah, and and the the point you're making, it's a little more labor-intensive than we would probably like. I think some people think, well, I'll take my plants outside and uh, and I'll leave them out overnight and uh, they'll be hardened when I come and find them in the morning. But that's not exactly how it works, is it, Holly? No, definitely not. (laughs) You want to to get them just used to to being on the elements. Yeah, so take them out. Right. And be smart about it. Don't start like cucumbers or squash. These are very quick-growing crops. Yeah. Plant them direct, direct seed at the okay. appropriate time. Well, well, we're going to get back to that. Okay, yeah. we're talking to the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardens. we got more more coming up. Send us your questions. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Did you know that today is Take a Native Plant to Lunch Day? Well, every day is when you grow plants from natural communities' native plants. This year, you can get your hands on hard-to-find edibles like wild leeks and golden seal instead of stealing them from forest preserves, which is illegal, and a whole forest of permaculture shrubs and fruit trees like service berries, pawpaw, and persimmon, and nut trees like pecan, hazelnut, and walnut. They even carry wild strawberries and other native fruits. Natural Communities has the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. They even have native garden kits for beginners. And they're happy to provide you with education about sustainability to help you succeed. It was never so easy to make a positive difference in the world around you, even if you're a foodie. Don't just get back to nature, create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. 
If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contractor. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Once upon a time, oh, like maybe two years ago, it was really hard to buy native plants locally, but not anymore. It's plant sale time, and here's the wonderful news. Wherever you live in the Chicago area, there's a plant sale near you that includes a large variety of native plants. Now, we can't list them all here, but we want you to know there's a great place to find the local sales. Go to chicagolivingcorridors.org for a comprehensive list, or just go to mikenovak.net and click on the plant sale link. Go native or go home. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. I love this, <laughs> the You Name It Challenge. We haven't played that in a long time on this show, so... Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Oh, come on. Someone's got to give us a like on Facebook for that. Come on. Yeah, let's let's see a like floating through. Come on. There we go. Thank you. Bless you, got to pray. It's a holiday. We go party like it was a Saturday. Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rice, Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah, if you Google You Name It Challenge, you are going to see... All kinds of stuff up there and uh, a lot of dancing, a, a lot better dancing than you see in the studio here. Uh, no offense there, Peggy, but uh, I'm talking about me. Welcome back to the Mike Novak and Show with Peggy Malecki. Yes, Peggy. Giovanna says she loves that song. Yeah, it's, it's just great. Well, it's not actually a song. It was just, yeah, it, it was, uh, um, oh, now I'm going to try to try to remember the uh, the woman who, um, Caesar, uh, Shirley Caesar. Who who did that at, at, at this church service, and mm-hmm. then they turned it into this thing, this song, uh, and uh, they sampled it, and it's been used like all over the place. It just it has made the rounds of the the internet, so uh, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, we're talking on the phone, however, getting back to the serious business of gardening. We have two of our favorite people on the show, and 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 I got to tell you, Joey and Holly Baird, it's always a pleasure to have you guys here, and I'm so. I, I look at what you're doing up there in Wisconsin. You guys seem to be doing great, um, and uh, that just makes me really, really happy. And uh, I'm glad you're getting the word out about about growing stuff, and especially growing stuff where it's a little more challenging. Let's face it. You know, when you're north of the, the, the border in uh, Wisconsin, it is, it is a little more challenging. You were going to say, uh, 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 Joey? Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, a, it's easy to do it when you do what you love. If you go to work every day and you hate your job, it's really not that enjoyable. Boy, when you enjoy what you're doing, it's fun, and, and you can tell people a lot easier how to do things. 
Uh, by the way, Giovanna says I am wrong. So, you know, I'm, I'm wrong about everything pretty much uh, once a day at least. Uh, and she says it is part of a Shirley Caesar song. So my 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 bad. Sorry about that. Uh, but getting back to you guys and doing what you love. Uh, here we are. What uh, what is working in your garden right now uh, that uh, is is making you happy? And what are you going to do a video on very soon? Well, uh, we We've got some things planted. Uh, we've got a video coming up uh, this Tuesday where we plant onions from st- uh, starts, not set, as well as um, we're going to do some leeks. We're going to do some squash undercover to get a jump start on that. And uh, I think there's a few other things that I can't re- Oh, we're going to uh, – today we're going to do some dragon fruit planting. Uh, that's a cacti plant that takes about three years to produce. We're going to show you how to do that. Um, and – the benefit, uh, what, what we do in our garden is we do not till. Now, people can till however they choose to. We use a garden fork when necessary, but we bring a lot of organic matter in. We bring leaves in in the fall. We brought in calculated 2,000 pounds of untread leaves into wow. our garden to feed the soil, and we will use that as a, as a mulch. And by August, that will all have broke down, fed the soil, and we won't even know we brought any leaves in the garden whatsoever. So we continue to build the soil, and that's the key to any type of gardening. You have to feed the soil to feed the plants to feed you. Uh, I'm so glad to hear you say that because uh, on this show, the Mike Novak show, it's a no-till zone, okay? <laughs> um, and, and, and I don't mean that you, you will never do it, but I, um, I think you guys might agree with me that, that for far too long, uh, tilling has been, rototilling especially, everybody wants their little machine and they want to crank it up and they want to just do that thing in the ground because they get some sort of visceral pleasure out of it, but it's not necessarily helping your plants grow. And uh, as you point out, Joey, it's because there's all this life down there and you want to encourage the life. And one of the ways you encourage the life is you feed it with leaves and you feed it with organic material and you leave it alone. Um, so I had a I had um, a woman come up to me um, uh, last week on Earth Day. I was at the local library here in my neighborhood being asked the master gardener, um, and she said, "Yeah, my husband wants to heat. We've got these raised beds, and we put some leaves and stuff on them, and and he says we shouldn't turn everything over. He says we should just plant right into it." And I said, "Go for it." You know, knock yourselves out. You you might clean it up a little bit, but uh, so you can see where the mm-hmm. the shoots are coming up. But uh, really, why why mess with a good thing? Would you encourage that too, Joey? Absolutely, especially in a raised bed. You've brought in good organic compost. There's a tremendous amount of soil life, microbial life, the soil web underneath the soil. You don't want to disturb that because when you turn that over, that exposes that to the atmosphere and those microbes and the uh, a lot of that will die off when it hits the when it hits the sunlight. Uh, now, if you're in a new area where the soil is very poor, clay, whatever you want to call that, tilling is not a bad thing because if you're going to mix organic material and put a lot of compost, work that in to begin loosening that clay up. That's a totally different aspect. But if you've got raised beds or a really good grow bed, try to avoid tilling it up or digging it up because you're going to expose a lot of that to the atmosphere and you're going to kill off some of that life that you need in order to feed your plant. So, Joey, though, when you're talking about tilling, are you talking about getting out the big rototiller and really turning it over, or are you talking about just using garden tools and working it by hand? Either either or. Uh, if you're in a clay area, if you're going to start here, I'm going to do a garden bed here. The soil I've tested, it's very clay. It needs a lot of work. 
it wouldn't hurt to go in there with a tiller and loosen that up, add compost, add leaves, all that type of thing, and then do it one time and then just continue to add to that and not uh, disturb it anymore, let the, the, the compost start to break down and loosen the soil up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, uh, we, we use what is a garden fork. It's not a hay fork. It's a garden fork, hard tying, flat tines on the fork. And then you can loosen the soil, but it doesn't kill the worms. It, it breaks the soil apart, but it doesn't destroy. It does destroy some of the life, but not nearly as much as a large machine would going in and, and disturbing the whole uh, bed of soil. Aside from the soil life, which is obviously important, there's weed seeds and weeds that will lay dormant in your soil for up to, how, how long is that, Joey? Was it seven years? Up to 80 years. Right? 80 years. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> so when you're when you're tilling, when you're rototilling with an actual rototiller, you're breaking up those, weed, those weeds, which mm-hmm. is, um, those can propagate on their own without having, they just propagate as is. So you're breaking up one weed into like a million pieces. So that's a problem. And also you're waking up those weed seeds which is another problem because if they are dormant, you might be turning them over and exposing them to light and possibly just giving yourself more weeds to deal with. That's a really good point. I mean, every time you – well, I I read this book about weeds uh, a few years ago, and one of the key points was is every time – where do weeds succeed uh, best is where the soil's disturbed. Mm -hmm. And what do humans do best? They disturb soil. This is what we're really good at. You know, what we're not so good at is leaving things alone and sometimes just leaving it alone. And and the point you made, Joey, I think is really good. If you go into an area, let's say you, you go into a subdivision and they've scraped off all the soil and what they've left you with is hard pan and you're starting a garden. Yeah, yeah, you might bring in a rototiller for that and bring in some some good compost and work it into the soil once or twice. And then it, theoretically, you don't ever have to do that again. Um, because you've loosened right. the soil and that's, uh, you know, and, and you just keep, the only time you use a rototill is when you've got that really hard soil and you need to break through it. After that, like you said, with a raised bed or with a soil that like your backyard, I'm sure you can plunge your, your hand into the soil and, uh, you know, uh, a foot down and, and, and without any problems because your soil is probably really rich in uh, your Wisconsin backyard, I would think. For, for the most part, yeah. Oh yeah, we definitely. And, and it's not just a, definitely with some nice soil. It's not just a one-time deal. Uh, and then, and okay, uh, it is a, con, a continuous building of the soil. It's sure. not just okay. We put leaves in it this year. We're good for five years. It's every time you can add organic matter. It's just like a baby. You got to continue to feed it mm-hmm. in order for it to grow. All right, and here comes a quick we question. Have two we, questions. Yeah, we right got there. we got two minutes here to get through these really quick. Okay, so one of the questions is: Then how do you get rid of the seeds? In the raised, weeds. I'm sorry, the weeds in raised vegetable beds. Well, I would say if it's a raised vegetable bed, it means it's not that large, so you're pulling it. That's what I would mm-hmm. do. Uh, right. And you agree with that, right, Joey? Yeah, pull them. And if you have weeds in your regular bed, continue to purge the bed. Pull them before they go to seed. And over a course of several years, you're going to eliminate a lot of what weeds would have been there. I, I guess I, I what we didn't make clear is uh, – I. I don't see the word organic a lot on your page, but I assume you don't use a lot of chemicals. We, we don't, no, we don't. Uh, but we don't we discourage don't. people who do. We, we don't look down on them. We say, here's how we do it. You can choose how to do it your way, but this is the way we've, we've done it, and this is what's worked for us. 
that's that's kind of what I figured out from from what you're doing, and I think that's that's a good healthy way to do it. I'm I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of chemicals. Um, I don't. I, I I went online the other day. Oh my goodness! I went on this Facebook page and they were having this argument about Roundup, and I and I almost jumped in and I said no. No, I don't want to be part of that. Get me out of here uh, uh, because it's so controversial mm-hmm. and, and all that. But my feeling is if you read up on it, you do your homework and you decide that that's the way you want to go. Hey, knock yourself out. Uh, have a good time. Um, I prefer not to go down that road if I can possibly help it. And that's what I tell people is you've got to use the best science at your fingertips. And one of the ways you get that is to go to places like the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener.com. You can go to their Facebook page, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. You can listen to their shows every Saturday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. on uh, WNOV, uh, 860 a.m. Uh, what have I missed, guys? Uh, because we're wrapping up here. Uh, just uh, and, you, and you can always send us emails at twvgshow at gmail.com, and we will get you the right answer, not a answer, the right answer. <laughs> See, I, I never make that claim here. I'll just give you I'll give you an answer, and you figure it out uh, for yourself. But, no, you guys, you guys uh, are really the best. So congratulations on your success. Keep, uh, keep it going uh, up there in Wisconsin. We're going to have you back when the weather is actually warm so we can compare notes about warm season veggies. Uh, and, um, and, uh, I guess that's it. Yeah. Thanks uh, guys. Uh, so have well, a great, have a, have a great Sunday and, uh, get warm up there. Okay. <laughs> Will do. Thanks. All right. It's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. We got more coming up. We'll be right back. It's a new year and Chicagoans are still looking for new and better ways to get healthier. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach our area's growing wellness and sustainability market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 engaged monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Even nature needs a night out. The Evanston Green Ball is now nature's night out, and it's a celebration of all things green. Be part of this event to benefit the Evanston Ecology Center on May 18th from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at 2024 McCormick Boulevard in Evanston. Fantastic food and beer, a DJ, cool eco-raffle prizes, beehive tours, and more. Go to evanstonenvironment.org slash party. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. 
What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. Okay. It didn't. It didn't like. Suddenly, that. the sounds that, of silence. That was. I mean, we were having fun, and then, and then all of a sudden, it went away. Wait a second. Let's see what happens. It got tilled. We'll try it again. Take two. Oh, it doesn't like that CD at all. And it okay. died. So. This is uh, uh, the bad technology. I mean, bad, bad technology, bad technology. Well, okay. it's because I burned it on my computer. And, and, you know, that's what happens when you burn a CD on your computer. It, so what so. were we listening to before it died? Uh, no, I'm not going to say. It's just, it, it was just something It doesn't matter. Something because, fun. Because it's dead. It's dead now. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. You know, we're kind of continuing this conversation we started with the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. Um, and uh, about raised beds and uh, growing stuff here in the spring. And um, our listener, you know, Sandra, here's what I'm going to suggest to you. If you can do this really quick, call us at 877-711-5611. I know you're listening because you, you're, you're writing on Facebook. It's going to be a lot easier if you just do this, if we do this on the phone, because she's sending us this uh uh, information about her raised bed and oak roots in it, and I'm not sure I understand the concept of raised bed um, that you're talking about, and I would like yeah. to see if we can answer this question. And she says the tree's and, gone from 15 feet to 30 feet, and maybe it's not an oak tree. <laughs> okay. But G- Giovanna uh, brings up a good point of putting a barrier cloth under the bed to help keep things Well, yeah, from but then, up. again, I need to know what the bed is, how far it is from the tree, what is the tree. I mean, these are – and we're trying to do this con- – see, this is, this is the difficulty of doing a conversation like this on Facebook uh, and on the radio, as a matter of fact. But if – oh, here comes the call. I got a feeling that Sandra and uh, she's going. She called us to talk to us about the issue with her raised bed uh, and sonar having, p- having roots invading. Sonar, her raised put bed. that call on the air. Sandra, are you with us? I am. My cousin going. Okay, could you please explain the situation in your backyard so we can fix this for you? Okay, so I've got two raised beds that are probably sixteen inches deep. Okay. And they're about, oh, I don't know, maybe not quite six feet away from the oak tree. Okay. But they're directly, like, in line with the oak tree. Why are they so, let me ask you, why are they so close to the oak tree? Um, Because I don't have enough room to put them further away. When I planted, when I put the raised beds down, that was the perfect spot for them. It was full sun. It was far enough away, and now that you know, it's ten years later. Ah, I've been there, done that. Yeah, where we? Oh, yeah, it's full sun. Oh, wait, that was thirty years ago. Yeah, now it's not full sun anymore. Mm. Something grew. I can't really uh, remember what. Something was there. All right, so you've got these raised beds, and they're they're of uh, decent size, and you've got roots coming up through the bottom of them. Yeah. Wow. So, I, I mean, how serious wow. a problem is that? And and you don't know exactly know what the tree is, I take it. I'm pretty 
sure it's the white oak. Okay. You can usually tell, and it's an, you can tell if it's an oak of some kind. Oaks are usually pretty easy to distinguish, if only uh, from the leaves. But you need to get yeah. get yourself a, a tree ID. However, however, that being said, okay. you say um, you've got, an, and and what do the roots coming up through your raised bed look like? They're really thin and spindly, like. Um, and they kind of ball, they tend to ball up like they, I, when I pull the roots out, it's like a big ball and they're red. <laughs> Do you have and some other sort of shrubs even, or like, anything like growing nearby? What? So they're like little tiny veins. That's how what it looks like when I pull them up. Okay. And I, so I also have dogwoods too. They're That's what I'm wondering if they're red. Yeah, you said dogwoods. The... It sounds to me like the dogwoods have spread. Rather than oh my god, really? It's quite possible. I've never wow. seen lateral roots that yeah, are I mean, red on an oak tree, tree. Tree roots tend to, to they spread okay. out, but I don't unless they're suckering. You know, they they would go up. It's it's how far away are your dogwoods? The dogwoods are about ten feet away. Aha, uh-huh. aha. Uh-huh. We're going to check into the suckering of dogwoods. All right, here's the deal. Um, I, I. I would rip out the the roots. I would prune them out of your raised bed okay. if you can. Um, I got a feeling it's not going to really uh, harm what you're growing there. I mean, they don't they they have it. It's not like a solid root mass in there, right? It's 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 a it's a bunch right. of it's you've got occasional whips of tree or shrub coming up through your. Uh, your raised bed, right? Now, you know, at some point, in, right. did, let me ask you, in the past, did you put a, a barrier at the bottom of this raised bed or not? Yeah, I did. But, you know, a it's a long time ago. Yeah, after all these years, it might be gone. Uh, it, it it might be, here's, if it were me, probably, uh, well, there's two ways you can deal with it. You can just assume that the roots are not going to be a huge problem, cut it back as many of them as you need to and plant in there. Or start doing some excavating, digging down to see what you got. Because if you haven't really, mm-hmm. if you haven't really investigated the raised bed in a long time, you probably want to see what's down there. Um, and you know, you could, you know, you could dig out the soil, put it in a wheelbarrow, put it in a container, see what's at the bottom of that. It's possible that you might need to move the bed, um, or do, or do something else with it, or it's possible you can clear it out and then you can prune down there, cover that, and then, uh, put the soil back in. Um, I don't think, I don't think you're going to do damage to your oak tree if it's, if it's as large as you say it is. Um, I don't think you're going to, you're not going to do damage if, if those are the, if the whips are coming from the uh, dogwoods, you're not going to do any damage Mm -hmm. to them. Uh, the best thing you can do, I think is excavate, go in there and take a look at what you have because you're, you're, you don't know anymore. Uh, you've had years and years of the soil in there. I would dig it out. And because I got a feeling you're going to be surprised at what you find at the bottom. What do you Perfect. I mean, it knowledge is power, and uh, you're right. Uh, oh, and and we've got uh, Eric Grossnickel is listening. He says, "How far is the bed from the tree?" Yeah, we were asking. It was, uh, and and Giovanna said, "Oaks have acorns." So, <laughs> but we don't know if those are. Yeah. Oak- do, and do you have any evergreens or arborvitae or anything that. nearby? Yeah, and, and, and the arborvitae, I do, but they're like 
they're maybe you know twenty feet from the radio. Yeah. Uh, what I would ask you, Eric, because Eric is an arborist, and I know that, uh, and I appreciate that. We got like a couple minutes here, Eric. I, I don't. I can't. Uh, can you? Do you see oak, the oak roots going out and then growing up into the bed? It doesn't seem like that would happen to me. I could be wrong about that, but I'd, I'm very interested in that. So we'll, we will, we're, we're going to get as many. This is such an interesting mm-hmm. thing. We're doing half of this conversation <laughs> on the phone and half of it on Facebook. Um, and uh, I've not seen this. I have no idea. My feeling is the best thing that can happen, and I can't even imagine that this is not a pro- or that this is a problem. Go down there and dig. See what you got. Um, okay. and, uh, it's, po- it's possible when you get like halfway down, you're going to discover this whole massive route, uh, that you need to excavate, or you're going to find something else. Um, uh, so, uh, that's what I would do. And then tell me what happens. I will do that. Okay. I know it's, it sounds like a lot of work, but, um, it, it also might clear up the problem. Yeah. Though. You're, you're going to have a better idea of what, what's happening in your raised bed. And as you said, you had a barrier, years and years ago but those those break down too things get through them yeah and eric yeah. eric says you're totally fine go ahead and excavate like mike's saying there we go thank you eric hey i'm, I'm glad you're you're uh you're you're listening or paying attention or you know it's hard to know whether people are listening or just following the facebook conversation all right sandra you're going to do this tell me what happens i'm really kind of curious we'll, we'll talk about it on a further show Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Sandra. All right, Eric, thanks for your uh, cooperation. And Giovanna over in Maryland, we appreciate it. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking rivers when we come back after No Name News. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Worf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847 A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for Second Hour Capitalist Radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the mic. I haven't that in a while. Uh, I know. <laughs> I was uh, sitting there. I had to play it. Alan! 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 Al! Alan! You know, that's actually what's happening uh, down in central Illinois, in east central Illinois, and we'll be talking about that in mm-hmm. just a few minutes uh, with 
our guests. But before we get to that, uh, we want to talk about a, a couple of other. Oh, by the way, Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Welcome back to the second big hour. And thanks to all our uh, our friends uh, on uh, line who are watching us live on Facebook and who are helping us answer uh, the garden question. You know, Peggy and I were talking off air about that. And uh, there are plants. There are trees. There are shrubs that will send out roots and mm-hmm. then send up uh, plant. You know, I've got sumacs. Uh, anybody who's ever grown a sumac knows that. Oh my goodness, they're going to pop up every. They go under sidewalks and then mm-hmm. pop up on the other side. And other trees do that. Or if you somehow have a rose of Sharon, all bets are off. Uh, I've that got definitely a, does that. Yeah, well, and they recede as well. Mm-hmm. I've got a rose of Sharon. Uh, I got which I have to dig up, which is in my yard. Good luck. Yeah, I know, and it's right next to the house too. Boy, that's going to be fun. Uh, but you said arborvitae as well. They don't. I have arborvitaes. That's why I was asking uh, Sandra if she had arborvitaes nearby because I have big, huge old arborvitaes that send these red laterals out everywhere, and uh-huh. there they are, ten, fifteen, twenty feet away. And then do they pop up? They don't pop up, but they're right under the surface, yeah, and they go so... through everything, and it makes it hard to dig. So there you go. There's there's. <laughs> There's plants out there. They're going to get you. Or as the, Eric says, called rhizomes. Uh, yes, exactly. Thank you, Eric. Um, rhizomes uh, out to get you. Uh, and so this can happen. But, again, I think the, the solution we came to, and, and, and it's interesting because I, and I, I suspect that there are a lot of people who have raised beds and never think to ever go back down and see my, what might be happening down there. But uh, Sandra uh, mentions that she's got stuff coming up, so you might as well excavate it, dig in there, see what you got. I, you know, I'd be curious. I'd find it really interesting. Um, and then you might have to recover something in the bottom. Mm-hmm. You might have to cut it out and recover it and see if you can block it. It's going to be a very interesting challenge because it's very close to the tree. And, and like a lot of people, she does not have a lot of room in her backyard. Yeah. Uh, this is practicality. This is the way things work. Um, I don't have, I have very little room in my yard. So you go with the flow, you go where you can put stuff. Uh, before we, uh, we break here, uh, we had a very interesting thing, a good thing happen in Springfield, uh, this week in terms of the environment. Last week we had Jen Walling on from the Illinois Environmental Council to talk about House Bill 5293 which would have weakened the Endangered Species Protection Board, or ESPB. Um, It was a very bad uh, law uh, that seemed to be barreling through the General Mm -hmm. Assembly. And I called my my representative, and uh, the person who answered the phone said, "Um, you're the first person who's called about this. (laughs) Oh, good. I said, well, it's a no. Make sure they they hear no from me, all right? Uh, and I don't know how uh, much response there was. I w- I'm hoping that the Friends of Illinois Environmental Council got up there and, and they called their legislators because it got canceled. It was not called. The bill was not called and will not move forward, uh, as uh, Jen Walling wrote from uh, their newsletter this week. So congratulations to uh, the folks who worked against it. Uh, we don't need our... Uh, Endangered Species Act weakened in Illinois. We no. don't need it weakened. There's a war on it. There's a, there's there's a, they're coming to get it, folks. They you know what species ah uh, other species ah who cares you know, but, uh, but but they'll find another way to start working on it. So in other words, pay attention. Sign yeah, up for these you, newsletters. You have to do th- so. We got that. So we got uh, uh, there were a couple other things in there that uh, maybe you want to. Yeah, there's a, over. and and so. 
there's a lot of priorities of bills moving through, but um, since we're getting to the end of that season, that's why a lot of these are, are, are well. That's the way Springfield at. works. Yeah. And then they do it all at once in a flurry, and that's how bad laws get passed. Is because uh, it's all up, up against the wall at the last second, and then something gets through, and then you say, "Well, wait a second, how did that happen?" Yeah, there's a Senate Bill 3174, transparency in fracking. Um, with Senator Kohler of IDNR and Illinois Illinois People's Action to Increase Transparency in Hydraulic Fracturing Operations. It's requiring greater reporting for wells, and it has successfully passed out of the Senate on a vote of 32 to 17. So I don't know the next step on that, but it looks like that's got a lot of support. And then uh, SB 2298 would allow industrial hemp uh, to be grown in Illinois. Um, It and uh, as, as they point out, would bring new business to Illinois, new opportunities for Illinois farmers. It's supported by the Illinois Stewardship Alliance and the Illinois Farm Bureau. There's an interesting alliance right there. Um, and uh, sponsored by Senator Toy mm-hmm. Hutchinson, and it passed out of the Senate unanimously. So that we'll see if that goes through. And one other thing, it's plant sale time. We were talking about planting Vegetables and other crops in the first hour. A lot of the plant sale online ordering is coming to a close. Um, And one of those is one we've talked on the show. It's the Open Lands Plant Sale. Go to openlandsplantsale.org. Today's your last day. Uh, One other thing. I just got a a, a message on Facebook from Karen Rotan, who's a friend of mine. And she shared a thing about lawns and the uh, tyranny of lawns. She shared it with a group called the Non-Consumer Advocate. And after 16 hours, 354 likes. you got to love that. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. It's plant sale time, and here's the wonderful news. Wherever you live in the Chicago area, there's a plant sale near you that includes a large variety of native plants. Now, we can't list them all here, but we want you to know there's a great place to find all the local sales. Go to chicagolivingcorridors.org for a comprehensive list, or just go to mikenovak.net and click on the plant sale link. Some sales have pre-order requirements. Go native or go home. You can now enjoy local food all season long at Winter Farmer's Markets, hosted by many different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. 
You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. We all have friends like that, don't we? They're uh, nodding their heads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my appointed duty is to bring in uh, a couple of guests to the show that I haven't talked to in a while, and that's Pam and Lan Richard who are the co-directors of the Eco-Justice Collaborative. Let me make sure that you guys are up. And they're on the Skype machine. How are you guys doing this morning? Oh, we're doing really well. We're doing well. I got to say, Peggy, watching you rock reminds me of your dancing at Bioneers. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, there, there was. <laughs> and uh, we, we have a little history with these folks uh, who are on the line right now. And uh, Eco Justice, Justice Collaborative has uh, been involved in a lot of good works in the Chicago area, including Bioneers, as you mentioned, a couple of the Bioneers conferences in, uh, in the Chicago area. You guys were involved in the effort to get rid of the Fisk and Crawford coal-fired plants in Chicago. You brought a lot of those, those folks together. And um, uh, you're continuing your good works now. You've moved away from, I don't know how you could move out of the, this lovely city of <laughs> Chicago and, and our wonderful tax base. Come on, what's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> you sort of stuck out under cover, uh, snuck out under cover, too. Uh, it happened fast. Uh, really? We still own property there, so, you know, we can always move back. Okay. All right. Well, that see, you guys are uh, uh, wheelers and dealers now, okay? <laughs> Uh, right. And you're, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, the, the thing I've, I, I've told people and uh, they hear it a lot on this show. If you're, if you're in the environmental world, you ain't going to get rich. Okay. That's not going to happen. Uh, and now you're in the Champaign area of Illinois. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons you moved down there was to call attention to some of the issues and the issue that we're going to talk about today which is uh, the Middle Fork of the Vermilion River, which had the distinction uh, this year of being added to America's most endangered rivers of 2018. Woohoo! Let's give that a ding. Uh, which is not a good thing, obviously. Uh, but the good news is uh, American Rivers is acknowledging this, and that's the organization that put them on the list because. We need to be paying attention, and, and we don't pay attention to a lot of things often until uh, tragedy strikes or a catastrophe happens. So uh, let's bring in our other guest who's on the phone right now, uh, and that is Andrew Rain, and that's spelled R-E-H-N, and he's with Prairie Rivers Network. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. It's 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 so good to have you uh, on the program. And so I mentioned uh, American Rivers, uh, Prairie Rivers Network, and Eco Justice Justice Collaborative. You guys are all working together, uh, and that's why we have uh, uh, the two groups represented here uh, to talk about the Middle Fork of the Vermilion River and 
the the potential for tragedy, as as I mentioned, uh, and how we can stop that. Uh, but give us a little background uh, about yourself, Andrew. Yeah, um, so I uh, live in Champaign, or I live in Urbana, but um, I went to school in Champaign for uh, a while in civil engineering. I got a um, master's degree as well as an undergraduate degree in civil engineering. And then I joined up with Prairie Rivers Network, uh, I think two years ago now, and I've been working here ever since, um, focusing on the issue of coal ash, uh, which is a broad issue across the state, but... Uh, today we're talking about the coal ash that is on the Middle Fork. There we go. And you 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 said the two dirty words, uh, coal ash, sometimes known as coal combustion residuals, sometimes known as CCR, uh, not Credence Clearwater Revival. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I may have to play Credence if I got a song in there. Uh, CCR, coal combustion residuals, coal ash, and there's there i hardly know where to begin and one of the places i'm going to begin is by telling folks that uh i put a blog together uh at mikenovak.net and i owe a lot of what's on that blog to uh prairie rivers network and to pam and lan at uh, eco justice collaborative you the, the best thing folks can do is go to your faq sheet which is one of the most comprehensive things i've ever seen in my life uh about an issue um, and I've got the link there, and it lays out what the story is. So uh, let's start with Pam and Lan and lay it out for us. We have basically a, a power plant that was built in the 50s uh, along the banks of the Middle Fork of the Vermilion River uh, in east-central Illinois, uh, and it was a coal-fired plant. And, of course, there are waste products produced mm-hmm. by from cold fire plants, and that's coal ash. Uh, why don't you guys pick it up from there and tell us why we have an issue? Well, first of all, I want to uh, paint a picture of what the Middle Fork is. It's uh, one of the most beautiful streams in the state of Illinois. It's Illinois' only national scenic river, and it flows through an area. We're, we're down in the flatlands of Illinois, uh, a lot of corn and soybean, but you go about 30 miles east of Champaign-Urbana, and you come into a, a beautiful area. It's the area of Kickapoo State Park, and uh, the Middle Fork flows uh, very clean and swiftly through a beautiful area of upland and, and uh, lowland forest. It has uh, 57 different species of fish and river otter and uh, protected 24 protected species in the area. Unfortunately, there's also in this uh, very undeveloped area, there is a an old coal-fired power plant, the Vermilion Station. Uh, it was uh, started in 1955 or 56, and over the course of about 55 years, uh, 3.3 million cubic yards of coal ash were deposited in the floodplain immediately adjacent to the stream. Uh, they are in three unlined pits, Two of them have been proven to be leaking into the groundwater. Uh, there's also uh, evidence that they are leaching chemi- coal ash chemicals into the river. And uh, our campaign and working closely with Prairie Rivers Network is to see that that uh, area is, is cleaned up. We're calling for the removal of the ash from the, uh, the area and to an upland site that is properly lined and protected and monitored. 
And in case anybody's wondering why coal ash is a problem, it can contain chemicals like arsenic, mercury, cadmium, chromium, selenium, aluminum, antimony, barium, beryllium, boron, copper, lead, manganese, molybdenum. Shall I go on? Shall I just keep uh, reading these? Uh, it's the periodic table that you're reading. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, got to, I, I was thinking of Tom Lehrer. You could do a song based on the, uh, the chemicals that are in coal ash. Um, and, and all the problems it can cause. Uh, and, uh, Andrew, you uh, have put together this wonderful map, uh, wonderful in a kind of a, a stark and, and terrifying way, of uh, the state of Illinois. And it's an a, a, a interactive map where you can click on and see all places in Illinois that have a coal ash uh, situations. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I first started, um, you know, I was feeling like, oh, my gosh, there's all these sites, there's all this information out there. And, you know, I don't know what these things look like. It just it was this huge unknown for me. And so um, as I started collecting things, I thought, man, it'd be nice to just be able to click on this and, you know, know, see where it is, see where the streams are next to the power plants and have all the data that I want right there. Um, and so then that idea over the past couple of years has turned into this uh, coal ash map, um, which you can get to from IllinoisCoalAsh.org. And um, I put everything up there. So there's all this information coming out from the companies. Uh, there's a federal rule that requires some of the power plants to produce reports. Um, there's some reports from Illinois EPA. And I make it all available in one central spot. So if you have a power plant in your backyard that you want to um, learn a little bit more about it's it's a place to start it's a resource that's out there uh yeah uh and would you say that the situation at vermilion is any better or any worse than uh, other areas around the state well i want to say it's worse but i want to put the caveat on there that we also just know a lot more about it um it's it's on the Middle Fork River, and it's so close to the river that you can really see it and get close, you know, almost close enough. Well, I mean, if you touch the riverbank, you're touching it. So um, that kind of exposure means that, that, that we know a lot more than we would at other sites uh, where at least it's farther away. I haven't had a chance to, to canoe or kayak close to them, but looking at maps, that you can't get as close as we can here. Yeah. So Simply because we know more doesn't doesn't mean that other sites aren't just as bad as the Middle Fork. But <laughs> yeah, we certainly know that it's bad here. Uh, and and let me call uh, folks' attention to a couple of things. I have a graphic that uh, uh, Eco Justice Collaborative put together. Um, it's a map. It's an aerial view, and they outline where the pits are and where the river is. Um, I've got that uh, at MikeNovak.net, and you can, you know, and I got links to their site as well. I'm just saying that if you're listening to the show, probably the easiest way is to find it there. But then you can go to Eco Justice Collaborative and see all of their great information. You can also go to PrairieRivers.org and find the interactive coal ash map that you spoke of. But I also have the link on my site. And one of the things I noticed looking at that map that you you put together. And it labels the pits, North Ash Pit, Old East Ash Pit, New East Ash Pit. And I got to thinking, looking at that in the river right next to it, how does this happen? And I, and in, in my mind, I had this image of Mr. Burns. And he's going, yes, well, well, Smithers, I have all of this coal ash, this coal ash, and it needs to go someplace 
well, uh, uh, Mr. Burns, we could put it in a rocket and fly it into outer space. No, 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 no. We need to put it next to a river. Yes, that's it. Let's put it next to a river. Uh, and, and what it's, could go wrong? Yeah, no, no, that, that will be wonderful. Let's put it in the floodplain. And that's the way it, it occurred. I look at that, that, that image and I think this is insane because uh, if, if you've been in Chicago in the last decade and seen the flood events, ima- okay, for instance, imagine putting these coal ash pits in the Des Plaines River floodplain. That would be all over Chicago right now. All of that coal ash would be, would be on the streets of Chicago because of the flooding we get. And all we need is one of those events in the uh, middle fork of the Vermilion, and we're going to have the same kind of catastrophe, aren't we? Uh, and let's go to Pam and Land. Yeah, we, we, we actually have had uh, a couple of those same kind of flood events. In fact, in 2015, uh, there was there were two major flood events that really eroded the banks precariously close to the what we're calling the new East Ash Pit, the newest one, uh, the, the one that's that uh, that you referred to on the map. That, that's that's probably uh, on the on the. Uh, South yep, end. Downstream. Downstream. Thank you. Yep. That's what I'm looking for. So, so in that instance, uh, we know we know from Dynegy's own reporting by their engineers uh, that the uh, flood events took out uh, as much as 20 feet over a six-year period, mm. but much of that happened in the last two years. That meant that the the plant operator Dynegy, uh, now Vistra Dynegy with the merger. Uh, had to really pull together rather quickly an emergency riverbank stabilization project. Uh, and, and that happened in 2016. The problem we see is the following. With climate change, the, the, the storm events are going to be more intense and more frequent. Dynagy wants to cap and leave their coal ash in the river floodplain forever and do some bank stabilization. Um, can, 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 I, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. And when you say they want to cap it, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Well, essentially what they're, they're proposing uh, is, a, a, is covering it with a, first with a, what's a geomembrane, a, a membrane followed by some additional geofabric and then uh, about three feet of clay and then some topsoil, and their contention is that will reduce the infiltration, the percolation of water from above, but it doesn't eliminate the contact of the coal ash uh, with the groundwater and the groundwater (laughs) that flows through it. So uh, it's a way of kind of getting the problem kind of under control, and then uh, we're concerned that Dynagy, since the plant is closed, they're going to be moving out of town at some point. Yeah. So the, that leaves the Illinois taxpayers, the people of Vermilion County, holding the bag and the long-term liability for any kind of additional uh, pollution or in the event there's, you know, there's going to be continued erosion. This river is a meandering, uh, very active uh, uh, river, and it's shown that it, it can go through very robust uh, stream bank armoring. In, in 1980, there was a massive armoring of the um, the north and old east area. With and that's Gatkins. with the Gabion baskets, yeah. Yes. Uh, today, we have a picture of the before in the 1980s. Looks like Hoover Dam. 
Today, those gabion baskets are torn, they're falling into the river, and uh, the, the, uh, the erosion rate is uh, accelerating. So uh, we think that's, that's a short-term uh, Band-Aid on the, on the problem, just uh, doing uh, armor, extreme bank armoring and why, covering all it. All right. My, my question would be, why even bother with that when you know it's going to fail? I mean, it's destined to fail uh, when you put a cap on it because, as you say, yeah, uh, it'll keep rain from coming down, except that you've got uh, underground water all around it and a river uh, on one side, and it's going to erode, and it's going to, it's going to eventually release the the coal ash it's going to happen we know it we've seen it before we've had tragedies in in uh, in various places uh across the country uh we need to take a break here and so we're going to continue to address that we've got pam and lan richard from uh, eco justice collaborative andrew rain uh i'm going to ask him a little bit about that too as well he's from the prairie rivers network it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki and we'll be right back Did you know that enough plastic is thrown away each year to circle the earth four times? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Plastic doesn't biodegrade, at least not in 500 to 1,000 years. Between the islands of plastic, the size of countries floating around in the oceans, and the negative effects of it on wildlife and humans, we need to find ways to reduce and reuse plastic. So say no to plastic bags. Remember to bring your reusable ones when you shop. Recycle whatever plastic you can. Too much recyclable plastic ends up in the landfills. Extend the life of plastic items by finding clever ways to upcycle and reuse them. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the Inside Back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Hi, this is Ron Calgan from Mighty House. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 10 a.m. right here live on 1590 WCGO. Yeah, uh, I want us to go all the way, uh, and that is uh, don't don't try capping this stuff. Get let's, rid of it. Let's get, let's get it out of there. It's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking 
to uh, Pam and Lan Richard uh, in uh, in the middle part of Illinois, along with Andrew Rain. Uh, Pam and Lan are from the Eco Justice Collaborative. Andrew Rain from the Prairie Rivers Network, talking about uh, coal ash that is sitting on the banks of the Middle Fork of the Vermilion River, and we were just talking about the the potential for that at coal ash to end up. Uh, in the river and downstream, uh, one of the things we alluded to was there was a, the Kingston Fossil Plant in, uh, at the Tennessee Valley Authority, run by Tennessee Valley Authority, December of 2008. Uh, it failed and uh, released, um, uh, according to my records here, more than a billion gallons of coal fly, however you want to translate that into cubic yards or whatever. Um, but that was released. Um, the really scary part about that is it's just coming out. You guys sent me this information that, and it stunned me. Uh, it's, it's ended up in the courts because workers were sent out to clean it up and apparently were not warned that this was toxic. And out of 900 workers, 150 are either dead or sick. Uh, and, um, and now this is going to end up in the courts, and who, and there were there were, uh, allegations of records being destroyed, and and all kinds of, I mean, really, really nasty. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like corporate toxic America in microcosm. This is this is the way things roll in this country. You know, you kill people, and then you go, oh yeah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Uh, and then again, in February of 2014, we had 39,000 tons of coal ash spill from the Dan River Power Plant in uh, Eden, uh, which is in uh, uh, North Carolina, um, uh, near the Virginia state line. Uh, so one of the things we've learned on this show, if you got a pipeline, it's going to fail. It's going to leak. If you got coal ash, it's going to it's going to leak. If you have fracking, it's going to contaminate the groundwater. These are inevitabilities. And it's the a sooner, matter of time. And the sooner we wake up to it, the better. So we have this issue in Illinois where we have coal ash sitting by this, which, which is the only scenic, wild scenic river in Illinois, which kind of surprises me given uh, the southern part of the state and the rolling hills there. And I, I'm surprised that in the central part of the state is where we have our scenic, wild scenic river. Um, so we're talking about the actions that we have to take. And, and during the break, Pam, you said this is, uh, this is a pressure campaign. Who's the pressure on? How how are you applying it? Well, well, we, we we started out by applying it to the local officials to make sure that their voices uh, would be able to be carried forward and heard to the governor's office and the IEPA. Uh, what's what's been interesting is raising awareness and getting people to care. Um, I think sometimes we we all experience this the the the. The burden of this is happening. What can I do as an individual? And people, people don't don't act and and uh, and just sort of sit back and let things happen. So so we we started out with a a, a campaign to raise awareness and get folks in Vermilion County and in Danville involved and put pressure on their elected officials so that they would get involved. We now have the support of the county board chair, the mayor of the uh, city of Danville. Uh, the uh, state representative Chad Hayes and uh, state senator Scott Bennett, and we've been working with them to put pressure on the Illinois EPA. Uh, the Illinois EPA is ultimately the agency who's going to be responsible for reviewing the proposal to what we believe will be a cap and leave solution, as we've already discussed. 
And we want to make sure that the IEPA and the governor's office hear loud and clearly that this is not an acceptable reason. As you just stated, it's going to fail. And, and the good news is the elected officials all believe, as you just said, they don't want energy to get out of town and leave them with this mess. The only thing that a cap and leave solution does is leave Vermillion County uh, with 3.3 million cubic yards of coal ash. That's toxic waste. Mm -hmm. So, so, so the, the idea here is to is to move forward with a campaign that uh, that actually uh, um, calls out uh, the, the uh, inappropriateness of leaving that ash in place and calls for a solution that moves the ash. Here's something I would I would add to this: We're in an election year. Yes. Yeah, and and my question would be, Hey, JB. What are yeah. you going to do about this? I mean, this is the point where you want to step up, dude. You want to be a good governor. You want to, you, you know, or, hey, hey, Bruce, what are you going to do to get yourself reelected? How are you going to protect us? You know, and, and it's the same thing that I would say to both of them, uh, like the, the, the Livestock Management Facilities Act. Hey, dudes, what are you going to do to improve that so that we're not building CAFOs next to people who, who, who are just, who's, whose lives are ruined by them? Okay, we have a really bad CAFO law in in the state of Illinois. So these are I, and and you guys know that because you're in the Eco Justice Collaborative. You know that in our recent elections, going back forever, nobody talks environmental issues. It all gets skipped. Well, this is a chance to bring this up, and that's what I would hope that you, you hammer these guys at every opportunity and say, "What are you going to do about this? Can somebody please answer this question?" Exactly. And, and we want to amplify the voices of Vermillion County. We felt really strongly as we've gone forward that, that this is an issue that, that we wanted to, to bring up and work with them on because it is their backyard and the impacts are going to be mm -hmm. mostly felt by them. So, so, so we've been doing this in a way where, where we are now at a stage where I think we've got the kind of support after two years of organizing to do exactly what you stated. So, and, and this organizing goes across political yeah. lines. Mm -hmm. uh, we know we're in the state of Illinois and everything is political, but uh, this should not be a political. Uh, right, right. Clean water is not political. No, clean air, clean water. That's it, It's something we all want. And so we're appealing to both uh, Governor Rauner and to any candidate on the Democratic side. Uh, come forward and, and, and support what's right. Uh, absolutely. And uh, let's go to Andrew uh, about that. Uh, you know, that's the political side. What about from the engineering side of this? What what is the urgency of this? What do you tell people when you talk about the the situation with the coal ash? Yeah, I mean, uh, for it's really a, a twofold problem. So what we've kind of touched on so far is the the meandering river and the rapidly eroding riverbank that will at some point reach the, the toe of the, the dam, and then mm -hmm. the dam can become unstable and collapse, and that's when the coal ash would enter the river. So we have this sort of stability side of the issue. And the other side is um, the continuous seepage of groundwater through the riverbank and into the river. And this is clear as day. If you go to the site, uh, the riverbank is, is stained orange, ah. uh, it sheens, uh, sometimes purple colors, and it's it's a couple hundred feet of the riverbank that looks like this. Uh, and as more gabions fail, we actually see more of the riverbank exposed, and lo and behold, it has also been seeping behind those gabions. So, um, twofold issue, and the, the reports that are out show that the river is 
um, moving very quickly towards the impoundment, somewhere between one and three feet per year. It's wow. kind of hard to assess this. But um, we're looking at in sections 15, 20 feet left, moving at one to three feet per year. That's, you know, a decade. Within a decade, we're looking at a destabilization of, of the dam. And, and they have three um, separate the pits there. Side, the what? Right. And there's three separate pits that, that all could be exposed. Right, yeah. I mean, the, the erosion is, um, I mean, both, the two of the pits that have the, the, the most erosion or where we're looking right now um, are, you know, right next to each other. So one goes in, the other could go. I mean, once, once you have a failure begin, I guess I wouldn't want to speculate as to what it could look like, but I imagine it can escalate itself. Um, and with the, the issue of the steeps, we've got, um, we, we've gone and taken measurements, actually, and found that, uh, you know, what we expected to find, high levels of primary indicators of coal ash, uh, so boron being um, one of them, mm-hmm. um, and elevated levels of, you know, the whole slew of contaminants that, that we went through today, um, indicating that, you know, this is, this is seeps from the coal ash entering the Middle Fork. Uh, the question I have for you, though, Andrew, is... Can this stuff be moved? Uh, that's I think that's that's and, it's and a, how it, yeah and and you know what the you know what the company is going to say first of all they they want to shut it down and get the heck out of Dodge they don't want to have any part they want to cap it and say hey we're done see ya wouldn't want to be a uh, the question is what's it going to cost and where do you put it yeah tough question um, and the you know the answer that I I would give on one sense is um, maybe there's no great answers about where to put it, but everything is better than where it is. It's in an, <laughs> at the, the absolute worst spot. I mean, you know, if you move it to a landfill, all landfills fail in the long run. There are still concerns, but it's, it's at least out of the floodplain and not next oh, to a boy. river that's meandering towards so it. So we don't have an issue. Definitely these clear, better spots to go. I mean, it sounds, like, it sounds like the nuclear waste issue here. It's like we really don't know where to put it. We know it's not good. Uh, but we don't know what to do with it. But you're right. At least if you get it in out of the way of this, we don't have it Im- imminently going into the river. Um, okay. I, well, I think I think that Smithers was right. You shoot it into outer space. Um, but there's nothing we can do about that. Uh, so Stop burning coal. Yeah. As long as you continue I'm, burning coal, we're going to continue to generate. The well, and that's the uh, the other thing is stop stop burning coal. Is yeah, yeah is, is at the top of the list, and and a couple of things that are re- related. One, real quickly, we only have a couple of minutes left. Is that the there's the law changes that the the Obama administration uh, had put slightly stricter laws regarding coal ash, and some people said, well, it's really not much. Well, guess what? The current administration is going to roll those not so good laws back anyway, and um, that's that's happening right now as we speak. And I've got a link to a place where you can comment. There's public comments until April 30th, which is tomorrow, um, uh, 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 to the EPA. So while I don't know how you get anything done with the political climate we're in right now, Pam. Well, it's 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 really it's really difficult. (laughs) So but but I but I don't know. I I am Pollyanna. And uh, and I remember the difficult climate we experienced when we were talking about this in Crawford. I remember the days when Mayor Daly would not even hold a hearing on that plant. There is nothing that would require that those plants to get cleaned up or closed. And nothing would have happened without a whole lot of folks coming together to organize and pressure the city of Chicago uh, to actually take action. So and this, that happened, and it also happened at a time where there was an election. Right. So that that hasn't that hasn't escaped us as we've been working on this campaign. Yeah, I, and I think 
that's why this is actually a good year to do this, because mm-hmm. we are in the middle of an election and these guys need, at the very least, you call it to their attention. Well, I want to thank all of you for being here, uh, Pam and Lan Richard uh, from Ecojustice Collaborative. I would give the, the websites, but they're all on my website, mikenovak.net. Uh, Andrew Rain, thank you so much from the Prairie Rivers Network. Thank you all. And thank we're going to continue to follow this. Uh, and, and thanks for your hard work. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Rick DeMaio coming up next. When's the last time you made a deposit in your ecosystem savings account? What I mean is that native plants are an investment in the future. They help to provide clean water, clean air, sequester carbon, mitigate climate change, and more. All of which have a major economic impact on global commerce and health impacts on humans, even in your own backyard. Natural Communities Native Plants can help you enrich yourself and the world around you. For starters, they have the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. And if this is the year you ditch that turf lawn for a native alternative, they offer Lomo lawn blends, sedge lawn kits, or knee-high meadows if you're feeling really brave. They even have native garden kits for beginners. You can take it to the bank. The birds, bees, butterflies, and other critters will think you're a financial genius. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. Even nature needs a night out, and so do you. The Evanston Green Ball is now nature's night out, and it's a celebration of all things green. Be part of this event to benefit the Evanston Ecology Center on May 18 from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at 2024 McCormick Boulevard in Evanston. Fantastic food and beer, cool eco-raffle prizes, beehive tours, and more. Go to evanstonenvironment.org slash party. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Afternoons have never been smarter. 1590 WCGO. Smart Talk for the North Shore. Well, what you do is you take the coal ash and you try to put out the fire in the bed and see if that works. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, Rick DeMaio is going to be here in just a second, but uh, we realized when we went to the break that there were a couple of things that we hadn't gotten across yet. Pam and Lan, there are a couple of uh, events coming up. You've got a hear- um No, you've got a people's hearing, right? Right. Um, Unfortunately, the, this is a significant decision on the Middle Fourth. It's going to be coming up perhaps as soon as this fall. Uh, the EPA has no opportunity for public involvement or hearing, so we're going to hold our own. And on June 11th, we'll be holding a people's hearing at the community college in Danville. We're going to bring in experts, uh, local residents, uh, or, and, and actually uh, bring in a couple of folks who have experienced that spills in Tennessee and North Carolina. So... Uh, folks listening will have an opportunity to go to our website and file their own comments on, on the issue if they like. And if they want to come down to beautiful area, they can attend that public hearing. 
and that's June 11th. Give us the, the, the information once again. That's June 11th at Danville Area Community College from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. We will get that word out mm-hmm. on our social media. Now, Andrew, uh, there's a Prairie Rivers event coming up, too. Yeah, on May 19th, we're uh, hosting a day at the Fork. So we're inviting everybody to come out to the Middle Fork in Kickapoo State Park um, and celebrate the river, go on nature hikes, float the river with us. We're going to be doing a flotilla, trying to get a big image of everybody on the river. Um, There'll be food, music. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we just want to celebrate the Middle Fork and the 50th anniversary of the Wild and Scenic uh, Rivers program. Um, And so we hope everybody will come down and and celebrate May 19th. Uh, That's that's great. So... uh... Have we have we got Rick? We got uh, we found him. We found him. Oh, okay. We found no, no. I'm okay. I'm only seeing one line. Call him. All right, call him. He's there. He's ready. All right. Sorry, we're we're getting our meteorologist <laughs> Rick DeMaio lined up. So doing our business on air. So listen, those are two great events. You know, it's uh, Pam and Land. Don't even get me started on the IEPA. Okay, because uh, yeah, because I, I really talk about. All right, don't even get me started. Uh, and thank you so much for that. We'll, we'll get that information out. Andrew, again, thank you so much for being on the show, all of you, and uh, good luck to us all. For, for, uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Mike and Peggy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, take thank care. You, uh, welcome back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We do believe we have Rick DeMaio online. Rick, are you with us? I'm here. Okay. Yes, I'm here. Hi. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. How are you guys on this um uh, 29th of April, where it feels like the 29th of March a little bit, right? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's interesting because I've been, uh, last couple of days, watching some of the uh, the weather forecasts. And two days ago, Tom Skilling was going, oh, we're going to be getting in the 80s here in just a few days. And they, by yesterday, they had backed off on that. Uh, and I'm going, uh-oh, I've seen this story before where we... <laughs> we'll we, be getting in the 50s. Yeah, and then it turns out to be yeah, thir- 35. Just, just, be, just be careful when you use the words Tom Skilling and they in the same sentence. Oh, okay. Cause ta- you figure you got to ta- be careful about that. I hear that a lot. I hear people go, Tom Skilling said, and now you guys are backing off. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> Tom Skilling, as much as I love him does not represent the meteorological community in the Chicago area. That's Tom Skilling. Okay? Oh, no, no, no. Just I, to be fair. No, no, I'm Just not. to be fair here, that was Tom. Tom is always about three or four degrees too warm. I love you, Tom, but you're too warm most of the time. And pretty much mid to upper 70 is pretty much what everybody was going with. Nothing's really changed. The only thing that's changed is the fact that the lake water temperature is running about five degrees mm-hmm. below normal. So a typical air mass that came down yesterday would have given us mid-30s, but it didn't. It actually gave us an overnight low of 31, which tied the record set back in 2008. Okay. No, no, no. I wasn't – you were not in, in the other meteorologists in town. I was talking <laughs> Channel 9. It was like I was watching Channel 9 back up, and, and you could hear them beeping um, because they were backing Beep. up. But maybe you're right. Maybe it was mm-hmm. Tom, Tom is the outlier even yeah. at, his, at, his yeah. own rate, at his own TV station. Perhaps <laughs> he, he pretty much is as well that time. But but let me let me run down some numbers here. Normal highs for this time of year, sixty four. Yesterday we made it up to fifty. Uh, normal low is forty three. Uh, we made it down to thirty one. But some of the other areas, twenty eight at Botanical Gardens, twenty eight at Barrington, twenty four at Mundelein, twenty two at Rochelle. Tomorrow is Rick's birthday. Uh, soil temperature is forty two degrees. Did I get that in there? I think I did. Yeah, you um, did. Tomorrow is Rick's birthday. Yeah. Happy right. birthday. Wastewater temperature, oh. 
Yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go. But the lake water temperature, this is interesting, Mike and Peg, is running at 38 degrees right now. Wow. And if you look back at the previous Aprils that have been this cold, so far we're running uh, 8 degrees below normal. That gives us an average temperature for the month of 40.4. I went back and looked at this. Historically, the coldest Aprils ever in Chicago, 38.7, set back in 1874. 39.8 set back in 1907, and 40.7 set back in 1904. All of those years, the temperature was downtown. Think about this. Wow. If the temperature mm-hmm. is downtown when it's typically cold into the lake, that means that this temperature this year, 40.4, you probably got to take another two degrees off that for downtown. So you would probably go back and think that this particular year, 2018, is probably the coldest all time. In the history of Chicago, you get my point there. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, because we, we 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 change the way we measure things, so that's very important. Right, yeah, right. Right now, the afternoon high temperature easily along the lakefront is probably about ten degrees colder than it is, you know, uh, inland areas. But the yep. bottom line is, we've been cold, we've been dry, and as you alluded to earlier, we are going to get warmer. We are going to get a little bit more rain this week. So a lot of good, a lot of good news on the forecast side of things. So what what are the temperatures you are seeing? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh, easily 60 today inland, but probably only lower 40s right along the lakefront. I mentioned this before, that the soil temperature was only 42 degrees. That's really cold. And again, it's amazing. You look at the trees, there's no leaves on them. But I guarantee Nothing. you by this time next week, everything is going to look green. Upper 60s tomorrow, lower 70s, maybe even mid-70s on Tuesday. Mid-upper 70s on Wednesday, mid-upper 70s on Thursday, along with that, a very slow-moving cold front that's eventually going to cross through the area late Thursday night into Friday. But before that happens, I'm thinking easily an inch and a half to maybe two and a half inches of rain. So not only is it going to get warm, we're going to have high dew points, but we're also going to get the rain that we need because we're about a half inch to three-quarters of an inch below normal. And we're going to watch people's allergies explode, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that always happens. You know, I know I, I typically get them when the trees begin to bloom out, but so far I have not had any problems, mainly because it's not acting like the end of April. It's acting more so like the early part of April. No kidding. And you, mean, uh, you, and you, went, oh, yeah. you went through it very quickly. Uh, I got to tell you, Rick, you said I heard temperature of a 24, 22 this morning. It's the 29th of April. That's just crazy. Right. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike and Peg, this was a hard freeze. And someone said to me, how come we're not under a freeze warning or a frost warning? That's because typically the last day, or I should say, when you get to that point where you're climatologically at your hard freeze, which is right about now, unless you've passed that time frame, the National Weather Service does not issue frost or freeze warning. So even though we didn't have one out last night, it was mainly because climatologically, this is about when you get to the last possible freeze. So if we get into this type of weather conditions in the first week of March, that's different. But because we haven't had that yet, they don't put out the frost and freeze waters. But bottom line, we had a hard freeze across many of the areas away from the lake last night. Wow. And, you know, I don't, when you say upper 70s, I don't believe a word of it. So just letting you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, real quickly, I was listening to the conversation I had with the people up in Wisconsin. And, Mike, again, your show with Peg is a great voice for getting people to understand the environment. I don't think you realize this, but the Pleasant Prairie Power Plant, that's mm-hmm. the one up in Kenosha, mm-hmm. closed forever about two weeks ago. I think we may have talked really? about this. You, yeah, that, that plant, that's the one right off of uh, right, I-94 right. and yeah. Route 50 in Kenosha. Yeah. That thing closed forever. And it wasn't because 
of any of the regulations that the Obama mission put into effect. It's because people are getting away from coal. Natural gas and renewable energy That's is the really way that the future is going. Well, yeah. we're, and we're, plant. we're out. We're out of go time, ahead, Rick. All right, we're we're just done. But thanks. That's a great way to end it. Until next week, go green or go home. Go home.